You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Happy fall, queers, and welcome to Thesis on Joan. Today we're sitting down with query and playwright Nina Key. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folk, from Brooklyn cabaret performers to people backstage and on Broadway. For many queers, theater has been an escape. This podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're heading as a community while queering the canon along the way. Holly, happy Tony Awards Sunday. I know. I can't. It's September. What is happening? I, I can't even say it without laughing because it makes zero sense. Um, Are you getting a Paramount Plus account so you can watch it tonight? Well, I already, I already had one because I'm a CBS Sunday Morning stan. Oh. Um, mostly just because I love watching the theater commercials on that show. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I literally forgot until this morning and. I was watching CBS Sunday morning and they were like, tonight's the big night. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, I guess I'll make soup. I don't know. Yeah. I started seeing like, um, articles about it and like the Broadway briefing and everything. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it just like, doesn't, I, I feel like for two reasons, like seasonally, like you said, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like so used to June, but also like, I don't even remember these shows at this point. Yeah. It's like, and I don't think I saw very many of them. Um, Mm-mm. it is weird. Like I'm being, my office is in, is in the theater district of Midtown. And like when I've been going in now, it's very crowded again. Uh, like I went to get breakfast on Wednesday morning and like the Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts by me were both packed and like it hasn't oh, wow. been that way since in, you know, over a year. Um, so it felt very much like a Manhattan uh, or a matinee Wednesday, uh, which oh, is yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, I guess that's bad. Yeah. And seeing like all the people lined up for, uh, getting into the theaters and stuff. It's like, it's both like exciting, but I'm also like, oh, I really liked it when my, this neighborhood was very empty <laughs> for me to walk yeah. through. <laughs> <laughs> I think those times are gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it's the, you, and I'm even thinking back to like when we were kids. Like this is the first time that I've been, I'm gonna watch the Tony Awards, and I like 
don't really care about anything, mm. <laughs> you know? I feel like before I would, even like as a 16, 17-year-old, I'd be like, this has got to be Spring Awakenings here, you know? <laughs> and like, I just, I don't really care about any of the awards this year. Yeah. It's, I feel like my like disillusionment with the Tonys and, and Broadway yeah. in general is high right now. And I am excited for Audra, so... It'll, it's always nice that's to see her. True. Yeah, that's right. I shouldn't say totally. I'm always excited to see some of the performers that I love, mm-hmm. but it's like just feels unnecessary that it's even happening. But it's so strange. Well, I I do want to watch it and like see how I feel and like what happens. But yeah, it yeah. feels very weird. It's okay. I mean, CBS is also trying to kill it by putting it only on their streaming platforms. Yeah. <laughs> It's not that the ratings were ever great for the Tonys to begin with, so they've somehow found a way to make it even less watchable. I think I have like four or five CBS like streaming accounts because mm-hmm. every year for the Tonys, I just start a free trial and then cancel it like as soon as that week was over. Yeah. Is there like red carpet and crap too? I don't even know. Um, I don't remember. I feel like the red carpet stuff is also on like Broadway World or something that you I'm can Playbill, yeah, yeah watch online. Wow, what a big night. <laughs> I I literally have to set an alarm for myself so I remember to come back from the dog park in time to to oh, make it. <laughs> I mean, but don't like ruin your dog park time either. You know? so, it's a beautiful day for dog park time. Yeah. And they're having like a party outside. Did you hear this? I, they're doing they're like no parties tonight. Instead, we're closing down the street. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Oh, oh we no. we should um we should talk about Wicked for a second too. Oh, we should talk about Wicked. Yeah, yeah. an update oh. from our our amazing day seeing uh Wicked the first uh, the invited dress. Um, wow, it already feels like a long time ago. It was two weeks ago. It does, yeah, yeah. But it how did, I don't know how did it feel for you? I mean, great. It like <laughs> I think because like I I knew everyone was getting like. They were pretty in-depth with the checking the vaccine mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I felt like everyone in the building was truly vaccinated. And it was still close. It was probably closer than I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this to you. Like, if I wasn't so excited. Like, if I was seeing a show I wasn't as excited about, I'm, it might not yeah. be worth it to me. But, um yeah, I definitely cried at least like three times. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> How about you? Oh yeah. It was it was pretty magical and wonderful. I definitely cried a lot. I feel because <laughs> I left my mask on the entire time. I didn't take it off for anything during mm-hmm. the show while we were inside. And then when we came outside, I'm like, oh my God, my face is so wet. <laughs> like inside <laughs> my mouth, my mask. I could just, you know, like when it's like post shower and you put lotion on, that's what it felt like. Mm, it's like paper mache. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, that's gross. But you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that's, yeah. I, a lot of people were, re- I, we weren't alone. No, <laughs> the audience was, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun because there were people sitting behind us who had never seen the show. <laughs> like what a time they should never go see broadway again. right like it's never going to be a better audience reaction than that uh, oh. but their reactions really like also enhanced my enjoyment i think yeah <laughs> yeah i agree yeah it was there was such good like commentary from the people who were just like because it was all friends and family mm-hmm. like people calling out for the folks they knew on stage and 
Yeah, it was really awesome. It it felt like an appropriate first show. Yeah, back. I, there was the one young girl behind us uh, who every time a song started would like gasp and like say the name of the song, <laughs> and it was like a giant Love surprise it. every time. Um, <laughs> and then like there was like an older couple who uh, like towards spoiler alert, but towards the end he was like, "Oh, I get it. Fierro's the scarecrow." <laughs> so good. <laughs> That might have been my favorite part of the show was that line. (laughs) Yeah. And it looked great. Like it looked so big and bright and sounded like a wall of sound. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really well done. Um, You could tell the cast was super excited to be back too. Yeah. And I felt like it had been a while since I've seen it, but I felt like because they like just got out of rehearsals, all the ensemble stuff was like so tight. Like the choreography it was, was on point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> choreography, all the like the music dynamics were very, very strong and crisp. <laughs> I'm like, this is, yeah. this is great. <laughs> it was sharp. Yeah. I remember like the loathing choreography was like yeah. very sharp. <laughs> There was, like, this, like, one, like, crescendo they did, and I was just like, oh, (laughs) that was great. (laughs) So good. Yeah. I mean, Wicked still got it. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were saying that, like, it mostly holds up except for, like, the Nessa Rose stuff and, Mm -hmm. like, the narrative of disability in Wicked and... Even just like people, yeah, relook, yeah, and like (laughs) people just like touching her chair before asking, and Mm -hmm. yeah. But I feel like the rest of it staging. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I hope. I feel. I hope that today it would be different. The way that that character was like at least moving around the space. Yeah, but but wicked. Yay! But wicked. We we saw our, you know, our first show live show back. That was exciting. Yeah. It was it was a good day. Mm-hmm. It was an exhausting day too. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Like just emotionally exhausting to sit through a whole show like that. I haven't done that in so long. Yeah. And speaking of the Tony Awards and Broadway, I feel like so much is happening around the show Jagged Little Pill right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even like. I haven't fully like wrapped my head around uh, like what all the things. Yeah, and we were already kind of putting them on blast like a while ago for all the transphobia and trans erasure mm-hmm. but it's been like the last three days yeah <laughs> it's like all of a sudden all of these other things are coming out like a cast member needing a medical procedure and the team telling them that they could not have it done because of the show mm-hmm. and they didn't want to risk like the progress of the show which is just horrifying um and it like what a I don't know if you were looking at their like official Instagram, but who it's a bad look. Yeah. It's like yesterday was like, yay, Tony's tomorrow. And then today it's like the producers would like to apologize. <laughs> it's like, oh no, yeah. you guys, this is terrible. It's not, yeah, it's, I, it, I think what's most upsetting about it is like, I mean, Tootsie was terrible, right? But Tootsie's target audience was not, trans people mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so he was trying to get in like your typical old folk broadway audience whereas jagged little pill is like just quote unquote <sighs> the most radical show on broadway yeah <laughs> so like the people that they're hurting are who they were hoping their target audience mm-hmm. is and uh, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever yeah um, and then i know um 
Lauren Patton had a conversation with Shakina Navak talking about like her involvement with the trans and non-binary erasure, which I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Um, Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Frankie in the show, also said that she's not coming back because of how um, they've treated the character of Joe and their audience. Um, yeah, so it's so much is happening. I just don't know who wants to go see it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, they've, they've kind of wronged like everyone that was excited to buy a ticket for it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And it's not, you know, if you look at the creative team, there aren't a lot of people of color, a lot of queer folks that are, that we mm-hmm. know of who are involved. So even though it's for that audience, it really demonstrates like, you have to have those people leading the ship or else you, it's going to be really hard to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only that, it's going to end up like hurting people mm, yeah, along the way. Especially. Yeah. So I never saw it. I'm definitely not seeing it now. <laughs> I, I was, I will say I was interested before the pandemic and all of this came out. Um, but yeah, this is definitely more than enough to convince me otherwise mm-hmm. so yeah sadly i'm glad i saw it with iris but yeah i wouldn't give them any more of my money now no no one should not that that's our action of the app but... <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of action of the app <laughs> yeah let's say don't give jag a little pill money um number one um no but our our actual action of the up this week is following up on the news from the past few weeks of the very tragic disappearance and murder of Gabby Petito, who was a white woman who was missing and then found murdered uh, while traveling with her boyfriend last year during the pandemic. So this case um, just exposes all the needs that uh, we need for marginalized folks, especially when it comes to um, missing persons and murder cases. So while we can mourn Gabby's disappearance and murder, uh, we should also be advocating for missing people who do not receive the same level of attention as she did. Sure. And we know that, you know, white women, white folks are generally treated more positively in the media. They're giving way more attention and airtime than women of color um, and even less for our our queer community. Um, So trans people are are especially less likely uh, to receive media coverage, um, according to the Trans People of Color Coalition. And so this information was taken from Anti-Racism Daily, and uh, they shared that Gabby disappeared in Wyoming, and in the past decade, over 700 indigenous people, mostly girls, have been reported missing in Wyoming. And homicide is the third leading cause of death among Native girls and women ages 10 to 24, and the fifth leading cause of death for Native women between age 25 to 34. Uh, so here's some actions you can take to, uh, you know, combat these these horrifying numbers. Um, you can read more about the bias in media coverage of, mis- of missing person cases. You can also check out Not Our Native Daughters, which is an organization that was created to help educate folks and raise awareness for missing, exploited, murdered Indigenous women and children um, throughout the U.S. 
There's also the Transdo Task Force and LAMP, the LGBTQ Accountability for Missing and Murdered Persons. Uh, they find and research cases of LGBTQ missing and murdered people, especially focusing on unidentified individuals who may have been transgender. Uh, TDTF, they advise and educate the public, media, and forensic professionals about the needs and differences of trans doe and other doe cases like Jane Doe, John Doe. Um, they can also assist law enforcement departments, medical examiners, and forensic anthropologists with getting, with getting their cases worked on by forensic genetic genealogists. You can also follow either via their website or Instagram, MMI, who is missing, which tracks and raises awareness for missing and murdered indigenous people. And they also have a mutual aid fund. Uh, so there's options for donating in all their sites, but, you know, first steps are just really educating yourself and, and being critical of what we're seeing in the media. And we'll also post some further reading articles in our show notes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And super excited to start the introduction for Nina Key, who we're sitting down with today. Nina Key is a Quirian, queer, Korean, American playwright who was born and raised in Los Angeles, but currently lives in Brooklyn. She graduated from New York University's Tisch School of Arts in 2008 with a BFA in Dramatic Writing, and her plays have been read and produced nationwide, including with Queen's Theater, Brave New World Repertory, the Classical Theater of Harlem, the Living Room Theater, the HBMG Foundation, Funhouse, Inspire Auto, and Another Country Productions. Her play, Taemong Birth Dream, was a finalist for the Van Leer Fellowship in 2016, and recently her play Moon Bear was given special consideration for the Relentless Award. Her work has been published in LGBT comedic monologues that are actually funny, the In Full Color Anthology, and Youth Plays. Hi, Nina. Welcome to Thesis on Joan, and oh, happy Chusok uh, today that we're recording. <laughs> I was going to, you know what, I, Holly, I thought of that. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I should wish Holly happy to suck also. So we said it first. That's great. We did it on the Yay. podcast. <laughs> um, we usually start with our guests sharing their name, their pronouns, and whatever you want to share about how you identify. Awesome. Um, so my name is Nina Key. Um, I am currently accepting all pronouns. I'm kind of starting on this like gender journey and I'm, I'm swimming through the waters. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's up with me. Um, how else do I identify? I, I identify as a Quirian person. Um, that's queer plus Korean. 
Um, I, uh, I guess also like I am the child of immigrants. Um, I'm also an aerialist and, uh, like Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dogs. <laughs> like that's the most important thing. <laughs> do you have, you have three, right? I do have three. Yes. It's perfect. Yes. Three dragons, three dogs. I feel like it's kind of... <laughs> What are their names? Tell us. Yes. So I have three dogs, as I mentioned before. They are um, – and now now I have to, like, give you, like, all the details, right? Yeah, but I'm going to try to keep it succinct. It's <laughs> okay. It's dogs. You can talk as much as you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my well, – the one that I've had for the longest, his name is Hodor, and he's a pug. Oh, um, I guess you could tell that I watched Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my second oldest is named um, Kavalan, uh, and he's a, a Chihuahua mix. We're not really sure what else he's mixed with. Um, they're all rescues, but um, yeah, it's, he's named after a Taiwanese whiskey. I wondered. Um, okay. <laughs> it's like, that's a good whiskey. <laughs> yeah, my partner's Taiwanese, and he's kind of like a whiskey color, so, you know. Um, and my third dog is named Nabi. It's the Korean word for butterfly. He's a Yorkie poo. Um, but he was like, all three of my dogs were hoarded at one point, um, before I got mm. them, um, two from like one hoarder and like one from another person. But, um, he had some like sad, <laughs> sad beginnings. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, he needs a, like a transformative name. So, um, that's Aww. why his name is Nabi. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my my dog is also a Chihuahua mix and he was hoarded. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they could be friends. <laughs> oh. I know. I'm going to have to, um, yes, very much that Holly. Yeah. <laughs> Chihuahua friends. <laughs> yeah. That dog is not a Chihuahua mix, but loves all dogs. So would be happy to come to this party. <laughs> yes. Dog party for sure. She's so good. I've also yeah. been to the Kavalan Distillery because I lived in oh. Taiwan for a while. <laughs> so, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I was like, I love that whiskey. It's so good. Good name oh. for a dog. Um, okay, not the dog talk isn't fun. I have like a lot of questions <laughs> about your work. Okay, great, 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 <laughs> so, right, great. <laughs> it's a lot. We're going to do our best to get through all the things. But if we need to come back to dog talk, like, that's mostly what this that's like 20 percent of this podcast I think. yeah yeah i'll just like yeah. thread through you know you'll like ask me like, i'm like oh but my dog said no I'm just kidding. yes yeah <laughs> you can loop them in it's great circle back right <laughs> so let's start um talking about your your work is informed by magic realism and trauma so yeah. how do these elements inform your work and how has that changed over time with your writing yeah. Um, I uh, I feel like in <laughs> if I could like describe my work, I would describe it as like um, I guess like kind of fantastical and like also like big sad. Um, <laughs> I would just like those are you know um, common characteristics of my work, and I feel like maybe in the beginning. Um, I I had maybe these ideas of like like what 
consists of uh, theatrical work and like kind of like the classics that I had read and things like that. And, um, and, uh, or, and I would like admire uh, these playwrights like Jose, um, Jose Rivera and, you know, like all these people who used um, really, really cool, really awesome, um, like fantastical elements in their writing. But I, I guess I never really connected that like, I could do that in my writing for some reason. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of, at first it was like, it was still sad, you know, it's still like big sad, but I think I kind of like started to really lean into um, like fantasy, horror, that sort of thing. I'd also say that uh, recently um, <laughs> I was in this writer's workshop and I was like, I think I'm going to write about dogs and like yes. puppies. <laughs> You did bring yeah. it <laughs> I was like, it's gonna be happy, like it'll it's cool, like yay, like um and then I ended up writing about like horror. So I feel like there's this kind of like leaning into horror thing that's been happening recently. Um yeah, that has been interesting. But I wonder if it's also like the pandemic and and just like the state of things and just kind of like um connecting to this like feeling of like tense anxiety maybe that's like mm -hmm. present in some horror genres and like now I can just make everyone feel the way that I feel <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to be horrified about right now so I'm sorry sense. oh yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so you also shared it, that early in your career you found yourself writing from the perspective of the white experience yes. and like through consuming media and other queer Asian artists uh you quote I began to see the importance of telling stories that not only reflected those of my communities, but also legitimized the truth of my own experiences. Um, so can you tell us more about like the shift in perspective and how it, it still works today? Yeah. I feel like when I was going through school and um, uh, like several years after, I kind of made my characters really colorless, right? Like they could, I could just like plug in um any ethnicity, but within that, like, because we're living in, uh, like a white supremacy, like dominant culture, that sort of thing, like it's, it's not like without, how do I say this? Like without identifying them in my mind as people of color, um, it's like, then they become kind of like colorless, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and often that like translates to like, oh, this is a white character, you know, um, without any distinguishing, like, um, you know, like I take off my shoe, you know, like these like cultural markers or like mm. these speech uh, patterns or, or things like that. They just kind of became really bland, unfortunately. Um, and um, yeah, so I kind of, because, because in my schooling, I had read like all the like white you know, authors, like Shakespeare and all, all these people, like I couldn't really fathom um, what it would be like to write characters that were closer to my own experience. Um, but now I feel like I have kind of swung the other way where I'm kind of like aggressively, <laughs> aggr they're like aggressively Korean and like aggressively like, queer. Um <laughs> Yeah, and and I sometimes do get this uh, this kind of like maybe like vibe, you know. Sometimes when people consume my work, like, well, why like why does it have to be so 
you know, why do you have to be, so, why do they have to be, why can't we just like make it, you know, whatever, colorless? Um, but I feel like that is a, it's a, I think it's a disservice to people, maybe like younger versions, younger versions of myself um, that are looking for color, uh, characters and like to consume media by people of color, like who are, you know, tell, truth telling, um, like from the perspective of their communities. Like, I think that's so valuable and important. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Just trying to like give voice to those perspectives. <laughs> and hopefully it's like meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Give me all the aggressive queer Korean stories and characters. <laughs> aggressive is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> Unapologetic. Aggressive. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so as it sounds like your writing has changed, you've mentioned that the world of theater has not necessarily kept step in terms of diversity. So what steps are you looking for theater to, even though they've said they've taken some, what steps are you looking for the theater community to take towards diversity? Um... Like, it would be great. (laughs) The first thing that pops up in my head, even as like a playwright submitting to things, um, I would say that it would be great if um, I no longer had to check um, because it takes a lot of time. And by checking, I mean, like, whenever I submit for something, um, I kind of have to see whether they're going to be uh, like an accepting space for me and my work, right? Like, I'm a queer Asian person. My work is queer Asian. Like, are they going to be down for this? Um, so I like go on their website. I look at their past productions. Are there any, are there any people of color um, that have, uh, that are featured playwrights, also like actors. Like I look at the photos of past, how many people of color are there. I look at the board um, and people who are working there and <clears throat> If they have a mission statement that's like, oh, I, you know, really want diversity, um, but then I see that it is all white uh, shows with like one Tennessee Williams play, like that's, I'm not going to submit to that anymore (laughs) Um, because uh, chances are it's not as real as one would hope. Um, And even within that process of like trying to find theaters that would be a comfortable and safe space for me to present my work or like even try to submit. um, It's like that knocks out a significant percentage of theaters already. And so, um, yeah, I mean, ideally like yes, diversity and also like doing the work um, to hire people who, um, who are people of color, who are diverse, like um, gender-wise, ethnicity-wise, all that um, within their theater company um, to emphasize putting on works by people of color and not necessarily like, oh, it's Black History Month. Let me choose like three, you know, or like, (laughs) oh, like people, like, oh, like API, like hate crimes. Oh, let me choose, let me reach out, you know. Um, I would love for it to be um, just, I mean, more fair? Is that like a naive thing to say? Like, and I would also love to hear more stories from like actor friends um, about like, 
Oh, I like had six for like this past year. I had, I was in six plays that were like affirmed my identity and it was like, great. And I didn't mm -hmm. have to play like a stereotypical character or, um, you know, I didn't have to like make myself small or like insert myself into a, a character that was like colorless, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, that like works of art that we all kind of connect, connect with. I would like love that. I would, um, definitely love that for myself and for other members of the theater community. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so clear. And like such extra labor, like actual labor you have to do that white folks don't and don't think about really. And yeah, I hope that happens soon too. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I made this joke earlier on about like the voiceover acting. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I could probably get more, you know, I, I, I have terrible stage, stage fright, so I'm not an actor, but um, briefly a few months ago, I was like, Am, could I maybe? And then I was like, I was like, Nina, you're doing so many things like where it's like hard to like kind of break through. And I was like, do you want to add another thing? <laughs> like you want to be an actor too? And like, that's going to be hard to like, you know, like get in a role. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I was like, don't do that. Just one <laughs> one thing at a time. <laughs> you could be open to it if it happens. Yeah. We're here yeah. to watch those shows when they happen. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, keep us posted. On it, I would career. love to hear or see you in one of your own plays too. That would be awesome. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> <laughs> would that add or take away from the stage fright if it was your own play? I have definitely acted in my own place before. I'm specifically thinking of a short play called Broken English. I wrote it when I was in college. Um, and there were no other Korean actors oh, no. <laughs> in this group of people. You know, there was no other Korean actor. It was oh, just no. me. And, and, and they were like, you know, you're going to have to play the part of mother, right? Because there's no one else who speaks Korean. <laughs> I was like, Aww. oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I did it. But. It, oh my gosh, just the, the emotional, like, especially because I'm like writing big sad, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to cry so much. It's so hard. I'm like, actors, how do you do this? It's really hard. Um, yeah, but it does it take away from the stage fright. I mean, maybe it helps me memorize my lines better. <laughs> you would think, yeah. Um, but maybe not as, not by much. So, yeah. Whatever helps. Yeah. And speaking of your own writing, so uh -huh. you're incredibly prolific. Um, and your writing spans genres from like horror, you were like you were saying, to folktales, to dramedy, mm -hmm. um, and experimental work and even memory plays. Uh so what comes first for you? Is it like the story or the genre? Um, let's see. I think it's probably the story. The story will take um the story will give me the form and also the genre. I do find that in general that I find like I, um, I I am kind of like it's like the emotional part of it that really gets me. So um, <laughs> I wrote this radio play called Soft Jade, um, and. Um, I, I literally got my inspiration from watching that Netflix documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous. <laughs> I was having a session with him, John Baturk, and he was like, so how how did you come up with this? And I was like, um, don't fuck with cats. 
Um, but there was this moment where I was watching, uh, and not to like spoiler whatever for for people out there, but um, I there was one part where um, you realize that it's an Asian person who has been um, who has been murdered. And um, there was like a brief snippet of his friend talking about how um, he had emigrated from China to America in order to be able to have the freedom to explore his sexuality and that he was like a really uh, quiet friend um, and that it seemed like, um, so the guy was murdered because um, he had met with this guy kind of like off the internet. Um, and um, his, with the way his friend was talking about it, it was like, oh, this doesn't, this is like, he's he's a quiet guy. Like he doesn't usually do this kind of thing. Um, and so it felt like extra tragic that like, um, that he had like come to America with these like hopes and dreams and, um, he kind of stepped out of his comfort zone in order to connect with um, someone and explore that, um, explore his orientation. And then to have this like really fucked up thing happen was like devastating. And I just remember being like watching the Netflix documentary and being like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, um, it was, it was like quietly devastating, honestly, watching that. Mm -hmm. So um, to answer your question, it's a really long-winded way to answer your question, no, but it, um, it was kind of like that emotional hook for me um, about how I felt about that, and um, also my feelings like about being queer and Asian myself. And um, at that time, also um, as I started to write the play, um, there was a lot of uh, hate crimes happening against Asian elders and, and women and things like that, and. Um, it just, it just came from a place where I was like, I'm so fucking angry and horrified. Um, and yeah, just the, the feeling that, that pain or that tension of like, my parents came here and, um, something like this could still happen is like, just fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what did the the format and the genre turn out to be for that one? Horror. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was horror. Yeah, it was. Um, it's. Uh, I'm. You know, not gonna like go get into it too much, but it was. Uh, uh, basically, this guy. Um, he has shaman ancestors, and um, he can hear ghosts. And so, um, one day, his like ex boyfriend comes to him, and he's a ghost, and he's been murdered by a serial killer that's been targeting um queer asian men and uh then he like goes on this journey to like try to find the killer and and so yeah very horror very magical <laughs> supernatural yeah that's awesome are we still Please. able to listen to it is it still is it september yes actually yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i'll send you the link later it's on yale it's with yale summer cabaret yeah Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Should we, Holly, should we jump to the horror question maybe? Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a great segue. Yes. So you describe your horror writing as Asian horror style and how does that genre kind of break down and subvert Western horror? Um, 
I was like, this, <laughs> when, okay, when I honestly, when I heard you say this question, I was like, wow, they think I'm so smart. Um, but I, I totally am, but like, <laughs> totally doing on this, I'm totally doing this on purpose, y'all. Um, but how does it subvert Western? I think, you know, honestly, I don't think, I don't really like go into it necessarily um, thinking about how to subvert those Western um, tropes. I mean, I know, uh, you know, like there's that whole like slasher thing, right? Where like the people of color die first and like, <laughs> if you have sex, you're dead. Um, but I kind of, was just drawn to like things that I know and am familiar with. Um, I remember being young and like being in Korea with my brother and watching like, uh, honestly, like Korean vampire <laughs> TV shows or like, you know, um, and there's definitely like a style, you know, and a, uh, like a vibe. And so I feel like, that's just kind of something that kind of came naturally. And I wasn't necessarily thinking about how to subvert it, but um, I guess I kind of hope that by doing that, I'm just kind of like folk, like centering my perspective anyway, mm -hmm. as a, as a queer Asian person. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I've mostly seen like Korean zombie stuff, so I'll have to find the Korean vampire stuff. That's yeah. Great. It's interesting because Korean vampires um are a little bit more like zombies. They like jump up and down. Where <laughs> <laughs> zombies jump up and down? Yeah, they like hop. You know? Oh, okay. Um, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Train to Busan? Yeah, Holly? yeah. <laughs> it was so good. That it was, was so great. good. I'm also super into Kingdom. Yes. Also oh, on the so Netflix, great. I was so thrilled like I was like, do I need to write something so I was like oh my god zombies this is such a great anyway like um, period pieces and Korean horror like oh, oh my it's gosh. just so beautiful that's <laughs> Holly's so like cool. perfect combination yeah, <laughs> yeah. um Honestly, I, I watched Kingdom and I like wrote a note to myself and like my phone or something that I was like, try writing a period piece one day <laughs> in old timey Korea. And oh, I, that'd be we'll awesome. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so cool. Um, I'm a big scaredy cat, but I can handle, I can handle horror plays. I feel like something about, yeah, I can handle that. But in the horror genre and across all your genres, it's so great and queer, right? This is something you do across all your plays. Um, you've even queered traditional Korean folktales in your play, Moon Bear. So how does queering folktales change your relationship to the source material? Yeah. Um, I think, um, I, I think honestly, I, it's a, like for me, it's about like putting myself in it. Um, one of the other things that I'm currently working on is, um, an aerial musical, um, that's based on a traditional Korean folktale, The Fairy and the Woodcutter. And, um, I don't know if you've like, either you ever, I've, uh, like heard of this, this folktale, but it's pretty, if I could just capture the, the plot, the original plot in a, uh, in a nutshell, it's like, there's a guy, he's lonely. He's like, I want a wife. He like steals these fairies clothes, uh, this fairy's clothes so that he can like 
have a wife and then traps her <laughs> until right. and is supposed to wait until he has three kids. I know, right? And then supposed to wait until they have three kids, but she's like so sad. He's like, Okay, here here are your clothes back, and then she's like, Bye, see ya. Oh my god, three kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A long time to be trapped. Right? <laughs> specifically three, because that way she can't like she has to stay because if she has two, she can carry one both in each arm and then she's like away. Oh, that's I know. Sad. Oh, right? she can't wow. save her kids. Oh, no. <laughs> Would have never thought of that. Oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, and then there's like more that happens after, but she's like, fine. You know, fine. She's like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, he's my husband now. Um, but uh, I think so in my version, um, they're queer. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Um, <laughs> surprise. Um, but they—it's uh, more of like a a love story between the this fairy princess and her handmaiden, and the woodcutter is like uh, an obstacle she has to like overcome in order to be her true self. Um, and so I feel. Uh, Again, taking the long way to answer your question, but um, I feel like it's like putting myself in these places where um, maybe traditionally I'm not there or like historically, like I've been kind of erased. Um, I feel like that's the relationship where I'm like trying to mm. put myself back in there. <laughs> like, it's me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah, um, Ariel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I've been working on it forever. So hopefully. Um... <laughs> that makes sense with like fairies, you know? Right? Yeah. 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 We'll yeah. <laughs> I think there's something really powerful about like taking something that's like canon, like traditional, like classical things and, um, like putting yourself in there you're like yeah I'm part of this I me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and oh another one of your plays Kumiho uh is looking at the West Hollywood lesbian scene this is like the o-word I actually want (laughs) (laughs) how does um queer intimacy inspire your work I'm gonna cry Um, how does queer intimacy inspire my work? Um, that's a really good question. I think for that particular play, um, I, um, not that I feel like people are going to see this play and they're going to be like, oh, you're, you're the main character because the main character is a bit of a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely okay. No. Um, but I think at that time when I was, um, writing that play, um, I was like, you know, younger, I was like going out. I was like, oh my God, like queer identity. <laughs> this is me. This is my community. Um, and that did involve a lot of like going out to clubs and like drinking and like having a good time meeting other queer Asian people. Right. Um, but I think something really struck me. Um, I had this conversation with my partner about how queer communities are formed and um, possibly for some communities, maybe for some people, like that kind of comes about like y'all dated each other, you know, <laughs> or like, Definitely. you know, yeah. you're 
standing in a bathroom line and you're talking to someone and you're like, oh, you dated so-and-so? Oh, me too. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, and um, I think that there's something kind of beautiful about that, about, um, about how, I mean, not necessarily that I'm like, oh, go out and sleep with your friends. You know what I mean? But like, um, just like the way that these relationships can be formed um, kind of outside of this like traditional idea of like, um, I don't know, there are friends only and then there are like mm-hmm. romantic partners only. And then like, if you have an ex, like maybe you should never talk again because your partner's not going to be cool with it, that kind of thing. Like um, I kind of love the way that queer people find each other and reach for each other. Um, sometimes I think that's through romantic connections. Um, my play is like definitely based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, queer intimacy. I think that's a really good question. I'm going to think about that also after this podcast and like consider that. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's such a great way to describe it, though. Like, I can think of so many people that are, like, either exes or exes' friends. They're like, oh, yeah, they're around. <laughs> like, you yeah. don't just totally isolate people. It's it's good. Um, and then jumping ahead to the play that we both had a chance to read with the Parsnipship Play Club, Ravage. Um, so it's heavily influenced by Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How does queer pop culture influence your work? Um, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I know that they, um, I believe they were the first lesbian kiss on TV, right? Yeah, I think there was one before it, but it wasn't like major network TV. What was the first one, Holly? Um, I don't remember. Maybe it was like a soap opera or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But this was like the main, like the big one. Uh, (laughs) I also, I have to say like. Everyone else knows this, but I'm also a huge Buffy nerd. And, like, I read the description of this play, and I immediately, like, sent it to Megan. I'm like, Megan, we must go to this and find out everything. Then I read it. I'm like, did your imagination write this play? Like, this play is most – this is perfect for you. It's so great. But, I mean, I loved it, too. (laughs) Yes. Holly, you can just like send me those brain waves. Like I can just like receive and I'll be like, oh, dee, dee, dee. like this is my, this is the play I should write next. It's going to be a lot of Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind like a Game of Thrones thing okay. play. I'm on it. I'm on it. The dogs are going to be in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, dogs. Queer oh, intimacy, dog. Yeah, it'll have everything. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. I lost I lost oh, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> It was about pop culture and how it influences your work. Yeah. And the names of your dogs apparently too. <laughs> <laughs> um I I feel like there there's a little bit of that um that thing that I said about like inserting yourself also. Like mm. um I loved Buffy so much. So, 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 so much. Um, and when I was 12, I was like, I had this keychain. Oh, my, oh my gosh. I, like, made a keychain out of, ba- uh, like, beads and, like, lanyards. Like, and it was, like, BTVS fan, you know, because that's how we did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was on your backpack. It's so cute. It totally was. Oh, no, Megan, you know. <laughs> 
I had like a Zelda one. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, so great. So great. Um, but yeah, about like, I feel like kind of like um, taking pop culture and like kind of like inserting myself in it. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I, did, I think for the longest time, I didn't know of any other queer Asian people. It was just like Jenny Shimizu. And I was like, very attractive. Jenny Shimizu is very, very attractive. Um, but also like for a long time, Jenny was like the only one that I knew um, that was like another, you know, queer Asian person. Um, and then I, I saw Margaret Cho stand up in high school. Um, and she does this bit where she's like, um, she's like imitating her mom. And she's like, there are gays all over the world but not in Korea. And I was like, oh my God, the accuracy. <laughs> like, not that there aren't any queer Koreans in, you know, in Korea, but just like the accuracy of like, uh, like a mother figure saying that. It's like, oh! <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think just that, like just trying to find, um, I also went through this phase where um, I consumed all the queer Asian, like movies, like things like that, that I could. I watched like Debs. <laughs> I watch all these foreign, um, like these, uh, like Chinese, Thai uh, movies, things like that. There was a, a Korean special called Daughters of Bilitis. Um, and I was like, oh my God, Korea, you know? So um, I feel like I'm always kind of searching for that. I'm always trying to connect to that or like <laughs> put myself in it. Like me too. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are only like, Two, I can only think of like two or three Asian characters that were in Buffy, yeah. and they were like never the main character, yeah, uh, or like problematic representations. Um, yeah, so I love inserting yourself into that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's awesome. So before we get into our final sections, is there anything you have coming up that folks should look out for? I have a uh, speaking of broken English. I am not. I am not um, playing the part of mother. A actual <laughs> actress is doing that. <laughs> um, but I am part of um, Pass the Mic Festival with I Am a Theater. Um, there is going to be a reading of my short play, uh, Broken English, um, along with other fantastic um, playwrights and director and actor groups. Um, I'm also, I think there are going to be a few short plays of mine um, that are going to be part of a festival at Queens Theater in November. Um, interestingly, it is also going to be broken English. <laughs> um, along with, I think, two other ones, Primary Colors and One Small Step. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and one day I will finish that aerial musical. Yeah. We cannot um, wait. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Queen Cedar, too. That's a great space. It's really cool. Yeah. Really Sorry, nice Holly. I cut you off. Oh, I just, that was just me clocking that it was a musical. I don't think I had registered that before. It's super exciting. I didn't either. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To, like, prep for it, like, I was kind of curious about whether people could, like, pole dance and, um, and seeing at the same time. So I tried it and it is harder. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up because your pole dancing videos on social media are incredible. Oh, yeah. We wanted you. to work in a question. We couldn't figure out how to do it. So you did it for us. It was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
um definitely hard yeah you make it look really easy though i mean without the singing i don't know about the singing part oh thank you it's like a lot of ab like stomach support stuff happening i think very impressive and cool Um, so moving to a section, although we've talked about this a lot that we call queering the canon. Um, so we're wondering, are there any other pop culture TV shows or movies that you would eventually like to theatricalize? We, we know your Game of Thrones fandom. Maybe it's that, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's interesting. I'm in the middle of this book, um, called The Chosen and the Beautiful, which is like a queer Asian, um, perspective on the great Gatsby um uh, yeah it's so good <laughs> like I good reads right now yeah. <laughs> and they also have some really cool like sort of like um like magical elements like in the world there's something called demoniac which is like um uh at, I'll I'll leave it to you to read Megan Brennan <laughs> um but yeah I don't know why I brought that up other than I was like oh yeah it would be really cool to do something like that um what would I queer um okay like in my fantasy um saving face was like very instrumental for me yeah um so Alice Wu if you're out there (laughs) and you want me to write an adaptation of saving face for the stage I'm here for you wow um but also, I feel like maybe I would be struck with a fear, a stage fright, if you will, of like, oh my God, it's Alice Wu, and this is like the the quintessential <laughs> queer Asian um, subject matter. But I don't know. Uh, I, hmm. Yeah, I think the half or not the half of it. Um, Saving Face was probably like the first queer Asian representation I ever saw. Yeah. 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 And then the half of it, if you haven't seen, I'm sure you've seen it, but if our listeners haven't seen it, look, watch it on Netflix. It's amazing. Yes. And that's also an adaptation too, right? Of like, uh, the half of it is the writing of the letters hmm. and the nose. It's a play. Oh, oh, wow. It's a really good play. Oh, <laughs> but it's the old. writing of the letter. Uh, like she loves writing. me. Oh, oh, it's no. like a, a Cyrano kind of thing. Yes, yes. yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Older than yes. she loves me. Yeah. <laughs> we got there. Yeah. yeah, we did it. We did it. We yeah, no, that's true. It is. <laughs> our queer minds together. <laughs> uh, and then for our queer culture rec, uh, is there something in queer culture that you're currently consuming and loving? This could be like TV, movies. Uh, you mentioned books or like an event. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I'm going to hype this up again. The Chosen and the Beautiful. (laughs) Um, What else did I read recently? Um, The graphic novel. um, Monstrous. It's not queer. There are some sort of like queer elements to it, but um, it's by Marjorie Liu. I really love it. Um, Waiting for the next one. I feel like I should have more. I'm kind of ashamed that I don't have no, more. No, <laughs> you mentioned so many throughout the episode. Yeah, it's we've great. already talked about a lot. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think of more, just for like Holly and I's personal like media consumption, <laughs> please feel free to tell us. So it's great. Amazing. 
And then our last section um, before we wrap up is queer gives. So if you had a mutual aid fund, an organization, a person that you would like us to shout out to follow and support, um, let us know. My friend Reese is a, um, a Philippine X producer, I think is their title in for this film, but it's about um, acupuncture and decolonizing acupuncture, trying to raise money to help it happen. And um, I would like to support that. So Nina shared with us the information about her friend's project after we wrapped our interview. So the project is called Decolonize Acupuncture, and it's a story of a Vietnamese-American licensed acupuncturist navigating a post-Trump and pandemic world, questioning how we can collectively heal through the lens of decolonization and Taoist medicine. Starting with a critical look at the controversy of Orientalism and East Asian medicine, we delve into the most difficult and complex roots of systemic racism and colonization. Uh, you can check out their Venmo at FC Films, their Instagram at Decolonize Acupuncture, and we'll link to both of those in our show notes. And then lastly, how do our listeners follow you? Um, let's see. My website is www.nina-ki.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, and I'm also on, also on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at ni underscore eu underscore key, K-I. So, so find me. Go. Let's be friends. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being with us. Very exciting for me and for Megan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting for me too. This is so great and so much fun too. Thank you, Nina. Thank you. It's really lovely to speak with you both. Um, I am going to read a book. <laughs> we believe you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read reading the queer one literature. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to read the queer literature. I'm going to come to the, the book club and I'm going to do the things. So, yeah. Yay. We'd love to have you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. We'd love to hear from you if you have any queer culture recommendations or other ideas about how to queer the canon. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251 or email us at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. And you can follow us on social. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thesisonjoan. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. <laughs> I, I was also listening to it via audiobook, and um, the person reading it also sounds like very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can. She makes Jordan Baker sound. So hot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> highly recommend checking that out if you feel like you will like. So you're studying on how yeah, to do your the art. work. That's great. <laughs> Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.